We're the Pragmatic Doulas. This is a podcast where we talk all about birth and other interesting things. Birth may be a goddess, but she doesn't want to be worshipped. She wants to be respected. She doesn't want incense. She wants common sense. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Pragmatic Doulas podcast. I am Kim. And I'm Suzanne. And I'm Steph over here in the corner. <laughs> the, the, the far east corner of uh, Durham, or well, I guess I'm in the east end in general, but the west end of Durham. Yes. I was going to say, not the east end of Durham, <laughs> in Peterborough. Yes, yes you are. <laughs> well, shit, I guess that technically makes me an, a west ender still. Fuck. Well, yes. I'm the west end of Durham. Yes. Based on perspective, yes, you are you are once again a West Ender. I did not think this through. You've always <laughs> been that way though. <laughs> I'm an oh, how is everybody? Do you see my I got a new camera? Do you see my I'm in high def now? Ooh. Can is I that act- what high def looks like? I can't really tell because you're on my phone. I'm um, on uh um, you can see all my gray hair, all my wrinkles, okay. <laughs> all the shit. All good. <laughs> There's no filter. <laughs> and unfortunately, it's like the way the camera is, it's like fish eyes. So you can, yeah. before I was able to hide sort of my TV over here and stuff over here. Yeah. No. I guess, I mean, cause I can't even really do that because then you can sort of see my door is over here. So yeah. it looks kind of like your wall is bulging a little bit. Yeah, but it's better than, it's better than what it was because in my, cause when I took it off, I did it yesterday for class. When I took it off, it was like, Ugh, all grainy and stuff. And I thought, oh, no, you know what? Fuck it. They can see all my gray hairs and my wrinkles. I don't care. Yeah, it is what it is. This is me. I'm 51 years old, and this is what you're going to get. Yeah. Show me a 51 year old who hasn't had work, who doesn't have a little bit of gray hair and wrinkles, like, or something to show their age. God damn it. I mean, this looks like it's blonde hair, but I can assure you it's gray. And <laughs> <laughs> tuck it back up in there. <laughs> we just got on that same note, we, our Christmas gift to ourselves was a new TV. And we got a new TV for the living room and it is one of those, whatever, 4k or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed the same thing, like we're in many movies, or you might recall that back when we used to watch our stories and stuff, uh, Y&R, there was almost like a little filter over everything. Like you, you could never really see imperfections in people, but on this thing, I was watching Yellowstone and you could see where makeup cracked into a wrinkle. You could see pores. Oh, you could, yeah. Yes. So it, as opposed to people, like the, you can see that they've had makeup put on, which is so weird. Yeah. Everyone, you can see they've that's, had. That's exactly what I noticed too. And I got, well, 4K or 4H or whatever the hell it is. Yeah. I could not believe because I hadn't had a TV for years and years. And I was like, whoa. This is too good. Like the resolution is way too good. I don't want to see every single line, every, I don't want to see everything in everybody's face, but yeah, it's almost too clear. 
back in the day, we used to also, um, it, it actually is reminiscent to me of what I used to call cheap Canadian TV. Like there was no special fil filters, no special lighting and stuff. It was stuff that was like just filmed out wherever. And it looked, you saw, you know, imperfections in landscapes. You saw imperfections in people. Um, and it wasn't the, the good quality. It was actually because it was poor quality because they didn't have filters and things that they could put on their cameras. Like it was, there. so it reminds me actually of going back to watching old uh, Lilith Hobo and stuff oh, like right. that. <laughs> Where people just look like people. Oh. Were there no like pre-made sets? That's what I remember about old Canadian TV. And I will say that I love Canadian TV. Some of my favorite shows are Canadian TV. Um, however, I suppose that back in the day, there weren't budgets to build like big fancy sets. So everything was seemed like it was filmed on an actual location. Yes. They had to like go somewhere where that thing, that house, that living room, that whatever existed and then film the show or the movie. Um, yeah. But yeah, Canadian TV is good. We're not bashing Canadian TV at all. I, I love Canadian TV and British TV. So yes, the, the amount, there was more, I guess, realism because it was real shoots and not as, I guess, literally back then there just wasn't the same funding. So now that we're seeing all the, now we're actually able to see the less filtered picture of American TV or of Hollywood yeah. TV. It's wild. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It is wild. So how do you um, much much better last week I was not on the podcast because on that day people in my house were sick with COVID so I was like running around making sure that we were stocked up with stuff and um, making soup and all that and kind of anticipating that I was next <coughs> which I was <laughs> the next day I went down, but honestly, I was really sick for like one good day. I felt immensely better by Saturday and then even more better by Sunday and so on. Um, but there's still just a lingering cough. So four out of five members of my household tested positive. And uh, yeah, we tried to dodge it for two years and uh, this is this is uh, this is what happened after um, one Boxing Day gathering with their dad. With that, my children went to their dads and came back with uh, COVID COVID germs. So yeah, thank you, ex husband. Always, <laughs> always giving, always giving. So generous. <laughs> he's a giver. He doesn't even know he's doing it. Right? Yeah. Second nature. He's a giver and he doesn't even know it. Whatever. Um, yeah, so that's it. That's so I, I'm okay. I'm feeling much better now and um, kind of confused about when my quarantine ends. Mm, but whatever, I'm not getting, I'm not, haven't been in contact with anybody really for the last five days or six days, I guess. So who knows? We'll see. Yeah, I'm just gonna keep my ass quiet until the original, I think it's 14 days. I'm just gonna keep myself quiet for about 10 days at least. Um, not that I have like a long list of places to go, people to see or anything. Yeah, just here. How are you guys doing? 
<laughs> well, I got my new stay focused push journal planner yesterday. So I will excitedly be opening up my planner and reviewing it and seeing how I'm going to use it after we finish chatting today. So that's very exciting. That's cool. Planner arrival day is probably one of the best days of the year. It is. And so last year, you guys might remember that I got the, the planner from, oh, I'm having a brain fart. Um, we interviewed with, she's a doula, doula tools, doula toolkit. Mm -hmm. Yes, 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 yeah. So I, I ordered that journal and it was so, so good. It's so good if your only focus is yourself, like it, there's there's great place for reflection and everything in it and your doula business. Like kind of, it's a focused, amazing planner for that. Um, and the things, well, I learned some cool things about that. And I know we're gonna talk about planners and planning your year um, shortly, or we'll, you know, we always talk about planners, but yeah, there were some great things about that planners. And then there was things that I just really quickly realized it was not working for me and I would need a separate booklet or, or, you know, journal or just, you know, aligned, aligned book of paper to uh, work with that. Because I, I have too much going on for it to be able to be all in one, but everything about it was wonderful. It was so well put together, the quality of the paper, which so means a lot to me. Um, it's sturdy, it held up. Um, yeah, I think it's the doula toolkit, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Awesome. So if you're doula out there looking for something that will really help you focus the things you're doing in your doula business and with clients and stuff like that, highly recommend you look that up. Cool. Excellent. Awesome. I, oh, so in the last podcast and all that Ikea furniture showed up, um, we had to like pause like 15 times. Um, it's all together except for two boxes, uh, which is I have, I got under bed storage drawers for my new bed, but I haven't put them together yet because the cats seem to only love to be under the bed, um, which is great because they don't want to be on the bed. <laughs> so no cat hair on the bed. Um, they seem to hate my new duvet cover, which is fine. It's, it's kind of pissing me off, but it's fine. Um, but yeah, it's all together. I'm very happy with my room. I'm very happy with having all my books out so I can see them. Um, and I've got them all organized by author and stuff. It's like when I find a good author, I like literally devour all of their books. Um, so it's got everything is all sort of laid out. I'm quite happy. It just needs a coat of paint, a new either get rid of the rug or get a new rug um, and some plants. And then I'll be, I'll be, I'll have my little oasis in my room. and never want to leave. Has your sleep improved? So I definitely, um, I do believe, like I haven't had to take melatonin or anything for several days now, um, which has been good. So I haven't had to take anything to actually help me get to sleep. So that's very helpful. Yeah, that's good. Just your, just the new surroundings are doing it. Yeah, the calmness of it all. Not cluttered. Like my room was very cluttered and dirty and dusty and shitty before. Um, but I managed to 
it's been completely decluttered, completely redone. So that's that's step one of the revamping of this house. And we'll see, we'll see how the rest of it goes. That is a great way to start 2022 with a space that you can just breathe in, you know, yeah. that everything, every corner you look around, it's like, you know, where things are not in a clean way, but like, those are my books over there. That yeah. is the, the lamp that I chose over there. This is the pill. This is the pillow I chose right here. You know? well, it's funny. Like Will had borrowed a couple of books from me from an author that I like, and he gave them back and, uh, and put them in the appropriate shelf, but shifted a couple of books in the process. I damn near lost my goddamn mind. I was like, he left. And then about 10 minutes later, after staring at it and getting all twitchy, I like had to get up and had to get up and remove them, put them where they belong. But yeah. Uh, Order and uh, outer order, inner calm. That's what that is about. Yep. That's an actual book written by Frank Rubin. So, I didn't know that. Cool. That's okay. her newest book. I would try that. All right. So why don't I do the land acknowledgments? We can. Oh, hold on. Can you guys talk amongst yourselves for a second? Got more ideas? Why are you trying to find it? That's going to suck. Hold on. Well, I'm still trying, I'm over here. You might hear me moving around a little bit. I am still um, making soup for people because even though everybody in my immediate family is okay from COVID, my extended family, it's now running through them. So my aunt who lives up the road is sick and, and I'm making soup to bring to her a little bit later on because she made soup for me when I was sick and now I'm making soup for her. So it's a whole, so that's what you might hear me moving around, making soup. That's what I'm doing. Okay. So we, we might mute you if it gets a little too much. Yeah. I'm going to mute myself right now while you're doing the line acknowledgement. All right, cool. All right. Awesome. Sorry. My dog needed to be let in. Like he doesn't, it's Thursday, 10 o'clock. Don't you know that we podcast what's wrong with you? I'm sure he's like, don't you know IP at random times? <laughs> You're not allowed. You're not allowed. All right. Um, okay. So I would like to acknowledge and recognize the land upon which I live, raise my children, work, and support birthing parents is the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Eshinabek, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples, and is now home to many diverse nations. First Nations, Inuit, and Métis people. While a land acknowledgement is not enough, it is an important social justice and decolonial practice that promotes Indigenous visibility, is a reminder that we are on settled Indigenous lands. Let this land acknowledgement be an opening for all of us to contemplate a way to join in Indigenous movements for sovereignty and self-determination. Very good, thank you. So our topic today is, um, so I had seen on Facebook, of course, I don't know why I even bother going on Facebook anymore. And yet I say that every single time. Mm -hmm. I had seen that um, somebody had posted that there was a client that was looking for someone had 
was looking for some postpartum support and they had some they had some requirements for that doula and the requirement was that they need to um, be only working with this particular client they didn't want the um, doula to be going to multiple households including theirs and they had because they had a child that was immunocompromised and that to me that seemed completely reasonable i mean obviously they wanted the doula to be vaccinated and things like that but then someone piped up and said you know that this was a completely unreasonable request and that these requests need to be um need to be uh discouraged right and i thought but why <laughs> I mean, I'm sitting here going like, why? Like, yeah, and I'll be honest, like I'm not going to take this particular client, but for me, particularly last year when I was dealing with my, with my uncle who, you know, was COPD and all of that stuff and was very conscious of COVID and things like that. And, and my mom that I, you know, that would have potentially been a client that I would have taken so that I could you know, just get some money and work with one particular client at the same time, you know, not exposing myself to other people where I could potentially take COVID. Like working with this particular client, they're obviously very conscious of, you know, um, their exposure and things like that. And that would have worked really well for me. So I don't feel, I thought personally that this doesn't feel like an unreasonable request. And I thought, you know what? I think it's really up to, isn't it up to the individual doula to decide whether this is a, is this is a request that they can take or not? Like why, why are we trying to discourage people seeking out help when they need it? Because it, because it doesn't fit, you know, being able to make $600,000 a year. Like if this isn't, if this doesn't, if that particular client and that request doesn't work for you, then you move on period. And share it with somebody who that would fit with, like somebody who is maybe looking to make a smaller amount of money because they have other things that they do and where that's reasonable for them. Or if that's, if they really want you and that's not financially feasible at your base rate, if they want a premium rate because they want, or it might be a premium rate because they specifically want you. And yes, I've had this before. A client offered because they knew I took two clients a month. They offered to pay a double to have me and not have me, you know, the, increase the chance that I'd be with somebody else. And of course, I told them, I'm like, there are 31 days in the month. The likelihood, if I'm taking two clients a month, of me missing your birth is very small. So I can take two clients, and they had wanted me to take one. I said, well, then you got to pay. I jokingly said, well, then you, I guess you got to pay for both spots. And the dad said, okay. (laughs) I was like, all right, then you're my client for that month. And that worked, right? So in that same case, you can say, great. Then my premium rate where I am your exclusive doula is this. And let's be honest, so many people out there, particularly, you know, the wealthy um, will pay premium rates and, and, and have exclusivity and whatnot. So I think asking that is not, is not a, an unreasonable request. No, that's what we're recommending another doula for whom this would work. 
this is the point that I wanted to make when I first heard about this, because you, these folks have an immunocompromised child and they wanted uh, an exclusive doula for a very specific, not very long amount of time. No. In my opinion, this was not an unreasonable request at all. These people are trying to protect their kid and trying to find a doula who was willing to work within those parameters, which were not unreasonable parameters at all. So uh, what pissed me off was that the one doula who was saying these sorts of requests have to be stopped is who is that one doula to say that that is unreasonable? Nobody's request is unreasonable. Let people make their requests. And then I will decide for myself if that's unreasonable. Mm -hmm. And you can decide for you if it's it's reasonable for you or not. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got their boundaries. And I don't need some highfalutin doula, (laughs) whoever, whoever they happen to be, to declare that this particular request is unreasonable. If it's unreasonable for you, that's that's great to say, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. I, that's outside of my boundary. Great, but guess what? It sounds perfectly reasonable to me, um, but I'm, I'm, I would just say whoever can do this, then here's, here's an opportunity for anybody who is able to do this. That's it. Yeah. For all doulas. That's what annoyed me about that situation. Well, because there are, there are, things that are unreasonable requests that would be unreasonable for me and we can talk about that but this one didn't seem like that and I wouldn't declare it for everybody that that's unreasonable so what is unreasonable that I would say something that thing I came up the family I came across I guess it was this time last year who had asked we're looking for a postpartum doula and wanted to know if they could keep her in the house right (laughs) she wasn't allowed to leave they wanted to actually you know kidnap her and yes. Forcible. That's called forcible, forcible confinement. confinement. And in the illegal. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's the law. Mm-hmm. I'd say that would be unreasonable. Hiring an in, you know, a live-in doula for a short period of time, reasonable. Being allowed to decide whether or not she comes and goes, not so much. Asking no. if she would mind living directly in the house for one week is another question. You know, asking, does this work for that doula? reasonable yeah. being able yeah. to be in charge of whether she leaves or not not reasonable unreasonable <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh that's hilarious i remember that one crazy but and and i mean really who are we to tell i i'm so sick of people who doulas who feel that they're sort of higher ups and speak for the profession feeling like you know they're the ones that you know, that, that we can't make our own decisions when it comes to our business, like piss off telling us that we can't do volunteer work, telling us that we can't, you know, that we have to make this certain amount, telling us we have to do X, Y, Z piss off. If I, this, if this is going to work for me, then I'm willing to do that. And it's not up to anybody else because this is my business, not yours. Oh, well, it hurts the profession. So that's always that. That's always the go-to. It hurts the profession. No, it doesn't. I don't feel that way. No. Yeah, it doesn't hurt the profession. Somehow or another, we're still marching on after how, you know, how long has that person been in? Decades. 
doula work been around? And guess what? The doula industry has only, it's, it's exploded. Mm-hmm. When I first started doing doula work in this city, there were a handful of doulas. Yeah. And, and nobody and, knew what uh, one was. Yeah. Now there are, there's so many doulas. I don't even know. I only know like a quarter of the doulas that are available in the city now. So I, know. I hear uh, doula names in, in, in my city and go, great. Yeah. <laughs> no idea who that is. Yeah. Yeah. So clearly the industry is growing. And when you, what you say is hurts the profession, it means it, it hurts your bottom line, your, your money bottom line is what I think that those people are talking about. So no, leave me to do what I want. Just like we talked about before about people saying, oh, I only want to do home births. That's their business. Yeah. That's not mine. I'm not interested in doing that, but that's their business. People who are willing to attend unassisted births. Hey, I am not interested at all in the least in that. But there are people who are, yep. that's their business. Um, now we could argue that that might hurt the profession a little bit because of legalities, but yeah. uh, legalities are a different thing. So. Yes, legalities are a very different thing because there is a different type of doula, a different approach doula for each different family, yeah. right? And that could be, again, the person who only supports Plan cesareans, right? Know? All yeah. the way to the other end of the gamut as those who just support unassisted home births. Like, yeah. we, we're gonna, there's, there is a spectrum in absolutely every area. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm actually interested in that person who said, we have to stop these things. So what would the benefit of stopping these requests mean? I mean, you can't stop it. You can help a family understand why that's not feasible for you. Yeah. You know, Um, but we need families to look around their lives and find out what is important and find out what's necessary and then go find resources. You can either just be that resource or not be that resource. So as opposed to shutting things down. So here's something I would shut down. I would shut down anybody who doesn't take second half the payment until after the baby's born. Because that is some, um, and, and again, not my business, but time and time and time and time again, we saw that from other doulas who um, got screwed. Because after the baby comes, people are busy. <laughs> you know, you've had a baby. You shot a whole human out of your body. You, you know, you're you're dealing. So waiting until afterwards, as if you're getting some sort of reward for the work you already did, um, like if you do a good job, we'll pay you. Then we also see the conversations that happen. Well, you didn't make it on time. You weren't there that many hours. It wasn't what I expected. So I'm not going to give you the money. Um, For whatever reason, there's a thousand reasons people can justify not paying somebody. And from a business perspective and because I care about doulas, because I care about you not feeling stressed leading up to a birth, get your payment well before the due date, mm-hmm. 37 weeks, baby. When they want you on call, like when you're in that real, the true window of on call, that's when you get your payment. Yeah. And I mean, we all are mentors of a, of a sort. And part of being a doula mentor 
implies that we've been around long enough that we have stuff to share. But there is never anything that I share with my doula mentees that is written in stone. It's always, this is a way that I've done it. And here are the reasons why I do it this way. I collect money before the birth and here are the reasons why. And then that doula goes off and uh, decides for himself what's going to work for them. That's always my understanding anyway. <clears throat> it's always fascinating to me how people can have been doing this work for a long time. Some of us upwards of almost 20 years. And what they learn is that they know everything. That's what they get from their years of experience. And I, I'm actually the opposite. The more I do this, the more I realize, oh, there are some things that I'm really pretty sure about, but whoa, there's even more things that my mind has opened up to over the last 17 years. And that I can honestly say, what the fuck? I didn't know. Like we've talked endlessly about our transitions and all the things that we've learned my attitudes around epidural and pain management and everything stuff like that has significantly changed over the years and and I don't expect everybody to be in the same place that I'm in so when I talk about well this is this is how I do things and here's the reasons why I do them that way but if you find another way that works better for you that's what you should do mm -hmm. yeah Mm. problematic so. facebook posts problematic facebook posts well, I there's so many there well, and, and so much of them i think are come down to exactly what we started with here it's that anyone pronouncing that there is one right way to do it or one wrong way to do it which there isn't yeah there isn't um you, you're going to find your own way. You'll figure out what's problematic. And again, it's good to have a mentor because the reason why, if the things that have stuck fast in my birth practice, um, they've stuck because they work. So, and, and being able to share that with people is, is a gift and a privilege. Uh, however, you know, with the understanding that it might not be for you either. So problematic Facebook posts. There's so much learning to do out there, but there's also so much stupid bullshit to, to, to wade through. My God, I, that's the other thing I've learned. I'm spending way less time on Facebook. I used to think it was a nice way of networking and community. Oh, I, I feel less of that, mm -hmm. less of that now and more annoyance than anything else. So I don't know how you, you guys feel. I mean, I still look at Facebook as a community <laughs> gathering place. I don't for, I look, I've thought this for a while now. Um, and I've certainly left some Facebook groups because it's just, it's just not, it's not, it's not conducive to my mental health, but I mean, I do like to, I mean, for one thing, I do like to keep my toe into one because it gives us topics of conversation. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, is it a space for community? I think these really huge, big doula groups that have like thousands of doulas in them from around the world, 
No, I don't think there's community there. I think there's a lot of, you know, you know, discussion and back and forth and trolling and, you know, people getting, you know, bent out of shape about this, that, and everything else. I don't find that useful. And I don't think, and I think for a newer doula going into these massive um, groups, I don't think that's, I don't, I don't think that works because all it's going to do is shut you down, make you feel shitty. And, you know, what are you going to learn? Probably not a whole lot. You should have learned it in your, in your doula training. Um, but maybe there's smaller groups that are more regional that are, you know, within your own community and whatnot. Those can be beneficial. Those smaller groups where you're actually sitting there speaking with a doula who, you know, maybe lives, you know, a few blocks over or services the same hospitals as you um, or took, you know, the same trainings as you and things like that. That's different. I think there can be community there and I think there can be usefulness there. But these big, huge ones that are just full of people, and some of them aren't even doulas. Some people just get into these groups and they're just being jerks. I don't think those are beneficial. Yeah. I think the bigger the group, the more potential for um, problems. So if you've got one of those Facebook groups where it it's, includes doulas from all over the world and there's like 10,000 members, th there's going to be issues. Mm -hmm. Somebody posts a question or asks a question or makes a comment, there's going to be uh, 237 comments about that post. And uh, there might be a thread of 80 comments that are arguing about one particular point. And it is just a source of too many antagonistic rabbit holes. Yeah. Yeah. So I would avoid the giant 10,000 member. It feels like, oh my God, it's a global community. Uh, it's really hard to maintain a feeling of support and learning in a forum that huge. So I, yeah, I would avoid those. The smaller ones are much better. Although I do have cautions about those ones too. Yeah. If you have a hot button issue, for instance, <laughs> you might want to think when those hot button issues come up, like the timely issue uh, right now about doulas being in hospital during COVID and, and support people being reduced. That's a huge conversation thing in Toronto and I say conversation because I'm trying to be polite it could degenerate into a fight at any moment and I have had to make a decision to not wait in not I'm not waiting in to the I don't even feel like I wanted to really which is unusual something's been my my uh my <laughs> my desire to like just jump in there and start fighting it's just not there it's just not there. So I'm, gonna let, I'm just letting other, I don't even want to observe the conversation because now it's come back up again, mm -hmm. died down a little bit. Now it's come back up again. And this is within our own little <clears throat> city group. So everybody feels really strongly and everybody wants their strong feelings to be out there on their the screen. But that's so. a curiosity, isn't it? If, so we've, we've come, you come into a hot button topic, right? It is when you're in any community, when you have emotional space for it, I think it's important to leave your good points. But the it's the when it turns into an attack or borderline name calling 
you know, it's just, it's like, well, the whole purpose of what you shared there was just to, you know, sound ignorant or to, um, you know, the way you come at it. It's like, if you have a good point about something, I want to hear your good point. And that's what I mean is my, as I got older, I, I almost, I get a little excited of when to, for someone else's approach, perspective, the way they see something, I, I want to see it. I want to hear it. I want to hear someone's point. I, but watching people bicker. And, and violently bicker. different. It, that's not, pardon? And violently bicker. Like they just get so violent. Yeah, it's like I, I got nothing from that exchange. I have no dialogue. I have nothing else to consider. But when there's, I love hearing a perspective, whether or not I end up agreeing with it. Someone who just says, so here's what I'm seeing and here's what it makes sense to me. I'm like, oh shit. You know, again, and this is something that's, I, you know, when I was younger and in my youth, you know, you're standing in your fire and you have your thoughts and periods and like, you know, everything is exclamation marks. I think about my top, my kids when I hear this and they get all worked up. I'm like, dude, I do not have the emotional energy for whatever it is that's coming out your mouth right now. But if you can whittle it down into what your actual point is, I would love to hear what it is. I don't have space for it, but I love perspective. I love different perspectives, even if I don't end up agreeing. So having a community focused, like almost like a constant round table of, you can't leave emotion out of it, but leaving emotion on Facebook never ends in someone actually hearing you. No, absolutely. It, you're literally yeah. yelling into the void. Nobody yeah. cares what you yeah. say, especially if it's, if it's against what they are saying. Yes. Um, what I find is that a lot of times people themselves are so emotional about a particular topic <clears throat> that even when somebody else leaves a logical reason, dispassionate statement, they read emotion into it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's already been emotional or someone's triggered by it or, you know, like something happens there. Now I can't control how other people read it, but when someone lays out just something that feels reasonable, I'll read yeah. through it. Sometimes I read through something two or three times just to be like, oh, um, it, it's like the, it's, it's like discussing consent. Like it's, you know, well, we, we didn't have time for consent because this was happening. Okay, so that's your perspective, but consent is really, like a cornerstone of what you do. So what can you do better? Like we can have butts, butts, butts about many things, but what can you do better next time? Because you have this person standing in front of you saying they feel that um, they feel whatever about how this experience unfolded. It's not about right or wrong. You made your decisions for one reason. This person feels a way about that. Who is your client? How do you, you know, how do you balance that out instead of just being defensive? And this comes up because I have a client who 12 years ago gave birth to their child and they did all the right things afterwards to follow up with the care provider. And the care provider was brought before, um, it wasn't like an official dressing down, it was an unofficial dressing down and um, discussion on the phone with the client and with people at the hospital. And his answer was, basically that 
consent is overrated and we need to stop making people think they can make decisions while they're there. And he felt no reason about saying this. Like it, and people are just like, and that's like the nip it in the bud. We have to stop these requests type thing. It's like, no, brain would we have cannot. Exploded. <laughs> and I would like to say he is still at that hospital. Seriously? Yeah, still there. Um, didn't understand the, the big deal about, you know, not asking permission for things. Oh my God. Yeah. My brain hurts now. But, uh, but th that's what I mean is it's, everything is so nuanced. Everything, and there's not space for nuance on Facebook. Oh God, no, <laughs> not at all. But I do no. want people to have, especially right now while we are in this place where we are not sitting together as a community, there, like, how do you build a Facebook community where those questions can be safe? Um, do we actually need a moderator who's going, that is an inappropriate response to this? Yes. I'm going to say, it starts with really good moderation. And even that is a really nuanced and subtle <clears throat> job because you don't want to be, you know, it's, it sits right beside censorship and you don't want to shut down people's voices and different perspectives, but it's hard to be... <clears throat> the person who has to decide how much emotion is too much emotion, which emotion is okay and which is not, and which violates the, the, you know, the, the terms of what you consider to be a logical argument and so on. It's, that's really difficult. That's really difficult. But I mean, if we can do it in person, and I've been involved in lots of groups, community groups and so on, where it's po perfectly possible, um, and also I think numbers, keeping it smaller. It's impossible to moderate a group that has 10,000 people. By the time you look at a, somebody makes a post, you approve it, and then in the, you go use the bathroom and you come back and there's 25 comments already. And seven of them are inappropriate, but you like, it's impossible to be 24 seven moderation. So the, the, pro, the issue is that it's online and that makes it a little bit more unwieldy. I think it's possible but I think it has to be small groups with more than one moderator and everybody sort of being committed to a specific uh, goal. Some of these groups I think are just too open-ended. There's, there's no doula stuff. That's too, too big. So there's gonna, in the course of one day, there's gonna be 10 arguments about doula stuff. It could be one, uh, I think things need to be more focused, they need to be smaller, and there needs to be good moderation. And that's, you just don't really, that's not, that's not sexy, it's not juicy, it's not tantalizing and sensational enough. So. I mean, we- but if you're having a struggle with your contract, you can go there and ask a question and not have people say, well, you should have taken that to your lawyer. Well, motherfuckers, not all doulas have a retainer fee or a fee right now that they can take to a, a lawyer. No, I'm not necessarily going to give you my whole fucking contract, but I'm happy to weigh in on something, mm -hmm. you know, because that's community. <laughs> I mean, let, let's be, let's, let's dig even deeper into that. We have, you know, we are supposed to be a profession that, you know, is caring and empathizes and, and things like that. And yet we are probably when it comes to online forms, 
we're the least empathetic. And we, when we entered this pandemic, it highlighted for me personally that basically most people on the planet are selfish gits. And I thought, you know, maybe things will get because we're all in this together and we have to, you know, we have to make change for the betterment and blah, blah, blah. And yet it just isn't happening. And on Facebook groups, it's 100%, 1000% worse because we're not, we, we read something and it, and we just go, oh my God, what a stupid comment. And instead of just scrolling on, you type out what a stupid comment. Instead of, you know, looking at that going, oh my God, that's the most bullshit thing I've ever heard. Why we need to not do that as a profession. Instead of just moving on, <laughs> you sit there and go, oh my God, your thumbs are going to get on fire as you type, you know, that that is a completely ridiculous request. Like what happened to just live and let live? What happened to just minding your own fucking business? Whatever happened to, you know, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. Like I'm so, I think I'm just so done and over with the biggest voices that are heard are people tearing you down and people tearing other people down. I can't anymore with it. I just can't. Yep. 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 And I mean, I will, I've talked before about La Leche League um, that, you know, I used to be a La Leche League leader many, many years. I was involved right from the time that my, well, I was pregnant with my second child. And not that La Leche League was unproblematic. It wasn't perfect. It's not a perfect organization, but I have never before or since seen a group of women run an international organization in such a way where not that it was conflict free, but that there were hardcore processes to deal with conflict, okay? And this was a completely volunteer organization. So I use the Little Lecture League as a model in my head all the time about how we used to do things, how we used to run our meetings, how we were structured, how we were organized. And it, I, and I really don't know how the organization fares today. I haven't been involved in many, many years, but I can tell you that it's possible. It is absolutely possible for us to, to be a force for change, for people to get together and be a force for change in any industry and in any area, uh, because we literally did it more than 60 years. And and um, I, I use that as, a, as an example all the time of leadership and community and women working together, et cetera, et cetera. All of it, literally had. Again, not perfect. There were issues, but um, by and large, it was an excellently run organization. Not for profit also. Nobody's worrying about making a million dollars. So there was none of that motivation. Really was just about how we can help people with breastfeeding. So like you said, not problematic, not driven by how you should or shouldn't do things necessarily, but 
it was well run in that it wanted everyone to recognize that there was a spectrum of how people breastfed and that the key uh, was, was to supporting whatever, wherever they were on that spectrum, would you say? It was, it worked, I think, because that not, and I said it wasn't not, not problematic. There were issues, of course, there are issues in the organization, it's, you know, all white women, middle-class women, that kind of stuff. There are, those are deep-seated issues there, uh, which I'm assuming uh, th there's been a lot of addressing of those issues now, but when I was involved, there wasn't a lot of that, but the, there were processes to deal with conflict. There were like extremely reliable support systems for everybody involved. So you had an issue, there was somebody who got your back and then there was somebody who had their back and so on and so forth. And everybody came together, all the support systems together in order to support each other. That was the, the, um, the core value was support, support around breastfeeding. And everybody had that support, not just the people who came for breastfeeding help, but the people who were the helpers we had support too. And that's what I think we don't have in the doula community. We don't have that sort of structure. We don't have that sort of support structure built in. Training organizations don't do it. Like some of them will say, oh, well, we follow you for a year, but then you're basically on your own. <clears throat> so that, that's, what, that's what I think the difference is. That and Lilay Chilig is an amazing example of how we could possibly do that. I think that if governments ran like Lilay Chilig, the world would be a better place. Yeah. If we're going, I think we can't address that, that sense of support and everything without addressing how limiting being on Facebook or being in virtual groups can be for that. Mm -hmm. When you're sitting in the face of somebody who is asking you a question, yeah. the likelihood of your response being curt or sarcastic, especially with other people watching you, I dare say, is much less. So, yeah. and as an example, I was thinking, um, someone had asked a question about a choice there, um, their client had made to not have PKU testing. And um, I don't know, she'd ask a question, but she wasn't asking for permission for her client or anything like that. I think she was just expressing that she'd never had anybody um, refuse it before. And there were numerous responses to this that were sarcastic. It's like, well, how will she know this? How will she know that? Um, you shouldn't, you know, you should make sure that she's doing it. Like people telling a doula to go tell a client that she should go do this test. It's like, well, let's just assume that that person has chosen to not do the test and has done research on it. Like even as the doula who's asking, it's like, if you have a question about why someone would not choose to do PKU testing, absolutely ask here, but also go ask that particular client. If you have a good relationship with them, don't question their decision, but ask them about what led them there. That's a great place to start. But there was a lot of people who came back just with like, you shouldn't be so flippant about this. You shouldn't be so, you shouldn't be supportive of the fact that um, 
that she's not having a PKU testing. Like if you were, if we were all sitting in a circle, hanging out, having tea, and you said, I've never had a client refuse PKU testing before. Have you guys? Would everybody jump on board? Maybe a parent who didn't have PKU testing and then afterwards found out that there was something missed that would have been caught, then that's appropriate for that person to pop on board and say, I made that decision and this is why it didn't pan out. This is what I was, I didn't recognize this. But again, it's not her job to go back and question her client about that decision. So I don't see how that would have, I don't believe that people behave like that in front of each other. Sometimes they do, especially right now during COVID, I see people being less than their perfect selves or their comfortable, happy, relaxed patient selves out in public. But generally speaking in a community that you're building, you don't behave like that. Yeah, it's, it's much harder to have the conversation to generate to the level that it does online when, it, when everybody's sitting around in person. That's right. Yep, so it, the, the fact that things are online now adds that <clears throat> element. Maybe we just need time to figure this shit out because it is pretty new, right? I mean, 20 years ago, there was no Facebook and there were no Facebook groups for us to vent on. And um, it was very exciting when they first started. And now they're, they've grown, they've all grown into a beast that's out of control. But yeah, maybe we just need time to figure, figure it out because it seems like it's the new, it's the new way of the world. It, it seems like this is where support is going to have to be found. So then it does behoove us to figure out a way <clears throat> to do it respectfully and kindly and helpfully. <clears throat> So Sorry. yeah, I think that that would be the answer. And maybe the answer is creating those safe, very moderated, very, I don't want to say structured necessarily, but very clear limitations on um, expressions of support within a group. As if you have a facilitator at all times for the meeting, it's like, ask yourself these questions before you answer. Are you answering the question? <laughs> That's a great place to start. Is what you're about to type answering the question is what you're about to share um labeled with sarcasm is it helpful to the discussion will it lead to further positive dialogue if not stop typing now and literally removing somebody from the group if their only way of discussion is riddled with sarcasm is riddled with um Snark. trying to poke the bear as opposed to create helpful dialogue like if you're frustrated, great, but we're not having it here in the, we're not feeding your frustration here in the group. Well, that, I mean, that's the other thing too. There's the first, there's the first part of it. Is what you're about to type actually answering the question that's been asked? Like, are you, because never, so rarely are you actually answering the question besides just throwing a whole bunch of shit out there. It's like, this person who is obviously a newer doula is asking a valid question that they didn't have the answer to. And instead of Googling it and getting maybe a bunch of misinformation, they're asking the so-called experts, which is you. So are, have a little respect and answer the fucking question. Honest and 
I mean, I think the, the an even pre preliminary question to ask yourself before you start typing: Did this person even ask a question? Yeah. Sometimes people are just like that example you just gave stuff somebody. So I could post them and say, last night I had this very unusual experience where my client revealed to me that they decided that they were not, they were going to refuse PKU testing um, after the birth of their baby. This was really strange. In all my years of being a doula, I have never seen this before, period. Where's the question in that? Yeah. There's no question. So maybe that person just wants everybody to say, oh, that's interesting. Huh? Like just a validate that before. A question. They're not asking for advice. They're not asking for your opinion. They maybe just want a little bit of validation for the statement that they just made. That's interesting. I've never heard of that either. Period. Period. <laughs> Instead of, well, here's what I think you should do, because they didn't ask you what you think. Yeah. Read carefully what people have stated in their in their status in the post and ask yourself, is there a question in this? Does this person want just like validation, legitimacy, legitimacy, support? Like what do they what do they want from posting this? And do I need to give sometimes I read somebody asks a question that I think I know the answer to really well. And um I I go through the comments and I realize that the question has been answered at least 10 times yeah. in in a way that like I can't add any more to what's been said this person can't get any more from me so I don't bother saying anything because that person's already gotten they've got more than enough what am I going to do just repeat number 11 number 11 answer so yeah that's that's a we could that's we can all do that individually and I mean how sad is it when you have a, you know, a newer doula who, you know, is they've had their training, maybe there was some lack in the training that didn't, you know, give them something unusual that came up and they're asking a question to get, to gain some more information about where to find the information even, and mm -hmm. they get shot down. So what happens to the next time that that doula has a question? Are they going to answer? Are they going to ask it on this on here and actually get some expert opinion from people who have been in this business for 15, 20, 25 years? No, they're not. They're not going to do that. They're going to go off and, you know, maybe make a mistake or, or maybe, you know, get some wrong information or whatever from the internet. We don't do the next generation of doulas a disservice by tearing them down every time they ask a valid question. Yeah. And you're not giving yeah. yourself any, any favors. Is that who you want to be? Yeah. Do you want to be an asshole? I mean, it's great. We'll find a doula group for you to be an asshole and all the assholes <laughs> can be assholes together. I'm sure there is one. I'm I know there's one. Yes, there is. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. Lower oh, yeah. Um, there can't be all or nothing, but there can be kindness. Go with love. Start with love. Love wins. Start with love and move <laughs> on from there. Start with being pragmatic. <laughs> Is start there a not question? Being an asshole. <laughs> that's that's what I'm going to call. Question. That's what I'm going to call this episode. <laughs>
Start with not being an asshole. There you go. Step one, don't be an asshole. Hmm. Yeah, I was at a wedding about, it was, I guess it was three years ago. And uh, we'd all had a couple of things to drink. And um, the bride and groom-to-be were all gathered together with the wedding party and stuff. And it was a destination wedding. And they had asked, what's your best wedding, <laughs> what's your best marriage advice? And I very quickly responded with, don't be a dick. <laughs> part one. Part two is, if you're a dick, own it. Literally walk up to your partner and say, that was a dick move. I could have done better. Like, if you really just can do those two things, try not to be a dick. And if dickness happens, own your dickness. I could do better. Didn't mean to do that. Was feeling a little dicky. You know? <laughs> mm-hmm. It is one of my favorite things to just say, wow, that was a little dicky of me. I was a dick move. I'm, I'll do better. Yeah. Yep. Always owning your bullshit is always a good, is always good um, um, information. That's all. That's always good advice. Own your bullshit. Own your bullshit. Because we all can be assholes. We're all a dick every once in a while. And when it happens, which hopefully is not too often, just own it. Okay, I'm sorry. This this I was an asshole this morning. You know, um, I'll try to do better. Don't give excuses. I was an asshole because blah blah blah, which is what a lot of people do because we want to excuse our assholery. Just no, say just a, an asshole and period period, which is hard. That's hard. But not I'm sorry, but just I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Don't deflect away from you. If you're going to, what is it? There was, I think it's a Japanese saying I heard that if you're going to apologize, basically what this saying means is if you're going to apologize, apologize all the way. So what it says is if you're going to bow, bow low. Okay. Do it, go all the way and do it. So if you're going to apologize, go all the way. Don't try to deflect the, the light of the apology away from you. If you screwed up, Focus on how you screwed up and how you're going to do better and what you can do to make up for the fact that you were a jerk. Just own it mm-hmm. and move on. Yeah. You can't go wrong. No. You can't go wrong, especially online. You can say sorry to a stranger. Or you can, you know, you can even say, actually, I misread your words. Um, and I reacted to what I misread. I'm sorry. Like, that's it. Yeah. Does not change who you are. Really doesn't. Doesn't. And the best way to avoid making those mistakes is to first ask yourself those questions. Am I going to be a dick by saying this? Is there a question being asked here? What's my response going to be? And really thinking twice before you get your thumbs moving. We're just, we're just so knee jerk. Like, Every time we see something or read something, we may not even have, as you say, have read the entire freaking thing. But as soon mm-hmm. as we get something, it's a knee-jerk reaction to jump in there and, and throw some words down. It's like, whoa, back up. That isn't even what was being discussed. Like, hold on a second here. Did you actually read what was written? Mm-hmm. And I will also say there are, I have my boundaries where 
there are some things that I, if somebody is making an argument that is questioning my humanity or my right to exist or whatever, something like that, then I'm sorry, I'm not going to be, all these rules go in the toilet. Uh, But we're not talking about that. Okay. We're not talking about somebody who's saying something absolutely positively outrageous that has no place anywhere. This is not just about dual opinions. So we can, you know, when people say, well, we can agree to disagree. We can agree to disagree unless you're, unless you're disagreeing with me about my basic humanity or something, then no, then I'm, then I'm going to fight. And that's, that's all. But those situations come up infrequently. If they come up frequently for you online, I don't know where you're hanging out online and why you're (laughs) away right now. Yeah, get off the Proud Boys support group. (laughs) Don't go to that place because you're going to be fighting all the time. Yeah, so think of, so that may be another good question people need to ask themselves. Why are you here? What are you doing in this group? What is this group? What is it giving you? And so therefore, why are you here? Are you getting support? Are you getting the support that you need from this group? If not, if you're getting constant aggravation, Maybe it's just time to like unjoin the group. That's it. It's like two clicks of a button done. That stresses out of your life. Well, then there, and there you go. There, there's a great thing to do for the new year. Like go through the groups that you're in and leave the ones where you're not getting what you need. Like you might have joined groups years ago. You're like, I don't even know what the hell I was in this group for. Just leave it. Yes. Clean that shit up. Declutter your declutter all of that stuff. 100%. I was in a group. um, What was it called? I I don't want to say it just in case it's still around. around. It was for um, menopausal women of color, right? And uh, it was great for, oh, I was on there for maybe like two years. Uh, then I realized, you know what? All anybody ever does is people post about an, about their annoying, like it's a it was a bitch fest, which mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not saying doesn't have its place. Yeah, I have a good bitch fest every now and then. Uh, but <laughs> have you seen I, our podcast? I wasn't getting out of anything out of it anymore anymore. At first, I was like, yes, that happens to me too. Oh my god, it got me lots of validation. But then after that's it. That's all it was. And so I said, okay, I'm not getting anything more out of this. I understand that everybody's people are having hot flashes and then they can't sleep. And all of, I know already, and I know what my symptoms are and I know. uh, And so then I decided, all right, that's, I'm just going to unjoin the group. I didn't announce my departure. I didn't ask for permission. I didn't make a big deal about it. I just simply clicked a couple of things and that was that and in my heart I wished everybody well because there's a place yeah. for venting and that's what that place was I'd had enough and so I moved on you can do that too yep. I've done that with doula groups where I wasn't get they were too big and it was just too much to handle so mm-hmm. I left yeah, yeah. Well, that <clears throat> makes all the sense in the world it's like a personal audit yeah you should, yes. you should do that like every, at least once a year, if not twice a year, just go through all your social media and get rid of the stuff that isn't serving you anymore. 
like mm-hmm. recondo that shit. Yeah. Like if it's, if it's causing you anxiety, if it's causing you stress, if it's causing you negative feelings, if it's jumping into your feed and you know, it's not serving a purpose, then just get rid of that shit. Just garbage it all up and click delete. You're done. Yeah. Well, I I showed you guys that, that post from that mom group that I'm in. How do you get scuffs out of your Gucci hardware on your purse? Yes. Why the fuck am I in this group? Yeah. My purse costs $20 from Amazon. And I'm like, what the hell? (laughs) Yeah. All the there it's all gold and it's got some does anybody i don't even know if anybody actually answered the question because i'm never thinking are you fucking kidding me yes i don't understand this group yeah that's not that's not a question that i've ever had i can't relate so sorry that doesn't feel like a healthy mom's group (laughs) what does that have to do with raising my children and making them vegan i don't understand (laughs) yep my so i had a client Um, on that note, and it goes to show how different the value systems are. I had a client who was carrying a coach purse, just like a little crossbody coach purse. It was like blue and brown leather and it was pretty. And so I had said to her, that's really pretty. That's really handy. It was like the perfect size for just a wallet and a phone type thing. And this was years ago. And um, I left it at that. I just acknowledged it was a pretty little purse. And when we were finishing up, she gifted me a coach purse, the same one, um, mm. as we were parting ways. I was like, oh, that's nice. So I went about, you know, fucking using it the way one does a purse. Yeah. And that very same thing happened. My The leather got scuffed on it. The leather on the little thingy that says coach on it got scuffed. And um, I was wearing it one day and my mom said to me, oh, you need to take care of that. I'm like, what do you mean she's like it's getting all scuffed i'm like because it's getting used yeah <laughs> what's the hurts. point i i don't want to keep it looking beautiful like it, it my but my mom was like no it's it's a nice thing i'm like it was only a nice thing if it fucking works <laughs> if, if i'm worried about my purse like i am not adding to my levels of worry about whether i'm scuffed in my purse you should see i and i have a roots purse now that i've had forever that thing looks like a bag of shit, but it still holds all my stuff and it still does the job. And it, that stuff goes on forever. Uh, yeah, it's, it is just a strange phenomenon. Um, that was that phrase, we, this is why we can't have nice things. I can have nice things, but I don't designate nice by how it looks. I designate nice as whether it works for me. <laughs> I, I will say that I love a nice purse but I am not spending upwards of X hundreds of dollars for a purse. No, 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 no. Give me a good knockoff. And I'm okay. I have a knockoff purse. I shall not say what it is, but I have a knockoff purse. And I got a big compliment from somebody who used to own a consignment store. And, and so she was very used to seeing very expensive designer purses in her in her shop and she made a comment about my purse and then I didn't understand what she was she was actually just saying to me that I really like that that's that style of that purse and it's very nice and I love it and I said yeah okay and then I would just like straight up said to her yeah it's totally a knockoff and then she could not believe it which made me feel really good 
it was a good knockoff. She couldn't believe it was a knockoff. It was such a great knockoff. Um, so I do like a nice purse, but I'm not like gonna freaking be paying. No, no. There's crazy. There's people. You like a nice thing for a. It also has to be functional and meet my needs, and I'll pay good money for that. That's the most important thing. I like when it looks nice, beautiful function. I love that, but I'm not spending $1,500 or whatever the hell on a purse. That's just, that's just insanity. Will I ever get rich enough one day that $1,500 for a purse doesn't feel like insanity? I hope so, but it's not today. <laughs> it's not today. I'd rather pay my gas bill, my hydro bill and my water bill, <laughs> which would all cover that. Yeah, I haven't even been carrying a purse really. I stopped carrying a purse during COVID because I yeah. didn't want to have anything else to have to go sanitize and wipe down. No, I, I don't do that either. I take my bank card and I go. Yeah, I, I realize take my bank card in my back pocket, method of payment. So then I go, so I would say phone, keys, method of payment. I'm ready to go. Yep. What did I used to carry? I carried so much shit. My purses would weigh 15 pounds. People always would complain and laugh at why my purse was so heavy. Oh, because I got my planner in there and a novel and uh, some snacks and a bottle of water. Snacks. Don't forget the snacks. <laughs> Don't forget the snacks. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Cool. <clears throat> well, I think we've... I think we've Thank you for this ranting space for <laughs> for us you know what? we all want better for the duelists who are coming following up behind us you know and we're not we're not as a community being a good community that's what all of this comes down to is we we are not doing it right we can do it better we're all learning how to be an online community so i mean hopefully <laughs> God knows we are fully thrown into it now where this is the only option. We can't have group get togethers, even if we wanted to. So maybe this is the time to decide what communities you want to be a part of, what communities you want to participate in and decide how you want to show up in those communities. Because being right isn't the be all end all. No. And yeah. honestly, I, I, I hope that through this conversation that we've had today, I want younger doulas out there to not be afraid to ask questions and to you know what? Call out the bullshit. Yes. Feel strong enough in yes. your in your abilities to say, you know what? I appreciate what you've said, but that doesn't answer my question. And it was yep. unhelpful. Yep. That's like, right. Like you call were that shit out. Period. Yep. yep. Even if you are a brand new doula, I'm going to assume that you're an adult. You're a grown ass woman who doesn't have to put up with anybody's bullshit. And that includes other doulas who want you to listen to their bullshit and respond to their bullshit. No, you don't have to. And yeah. you can say, you can say that. Yeah. There's, there's no, um, you know, t uh, probationary period where you, where you've got to put up with bullshit yeah. before you can respond. No, you can just straight out say that actually was not what I was asking and not what I was looking for and moving on. Yeah. So you can do that. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. All right. Cool. <clears throat> as Betty, White, as the, as the incomparable Betty White, White would say, grow a uterus. <laughs> Those <laughs> things can take it. Was it, is it 
she you know, said, why is everybody like can take a beating yeah 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 why why is everybody everybody say grow a pair of balls somebody who's uterus yeah will take a beating do you know yeah pussies can take a pounding and still get up the next day to do whatever they need to do balls you just blow a little cold air on them and they all shrink up so come on what's tougher what's tougher exactly god i can't believe we've lost betty it feels like the world is going to hell in a basket now i did like this one that kind of touches on everything we talked about today from betty white i don't know how people can get so anti-something mind your own business take care of your affairs and don't worry about other people so much she, of course, at the time was speaking directly to um, uh, people who are anti-gay. So people who spoke out about her having openly gay friends and attending events with them and stuff. And she basically telling you to mind your shit. <laughs> mind your business. Betty White has told us. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Okay. I hope everybody so- has... A great day, a great week. We are going to now do some planning for the next quarter. So please feel free to message us with some topics if there's anything you wanna you wanna hear from us. And oh, we got a great comment from Carissa. Does, yes. Do we wanna? Do we wanna yes. Do we wanna read that out? I can read. Yes, that. we do. I don't have it in front of me, but you probably oh. do. I will get it. I'll get it. Get it. I don't know where the hell it is. Oh, here, here we are. She says, <clears throat> good morning to you all. I look forward to Monday mornings more than I should because of all of you. Today, I heard all of you say all that I've been feeling. It's like you nailed every single thing spot on. We are trying to find our way and love we're all trying to find our way and love that you made me feel normal and like I have company in my brain. I love that. Um, Happy New Year to you all. So much love to you and your families. Um, Hmm. Anyone wants to do? Carissa. Thank you, Carissa. We need to start doing the book club again so we can. So we can have her back on. Back on or just have her back on. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, we should just have her back on. We don't have to have a reason. No, no. There you go. All right, cool. Mm -hmm um that's it i hope everybody has a great day stay safe stay safe continue to wear your masks and hopefully this won't be too much longer (laughs) surely at some point it's got to go away right at some point so just make your way nimbly through the covid forest eventually we'll reach the other side there you go all right have a good one Bye, everyone. Bye, folks.